0: Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Are we good? Happy Sabbath. Okay, that was weak. Happy Sabbath. How many of you were blessed this week? Amen. Okay, that was weak. Not too many were blessed. Happy Sabbath. How many of you were blessed this week? Amen. I can assure you, you are blessed. You are blessed to be here. Uh, According to the World Health Organization, Uh, There will be about 10,000 children dying today because of malnourishment. So you are blessed. I'm pretty sure you had a pillow to sleep on, a couch to sleep on, a roof to keep you warm, um, food to eat. You are blessed. About 166,000 people will die today. And I pray it's none of you. You are here. And we are blessed. Amen? We are blessed to be here worshiping the Lord this morning. I want to thank Pastor Michael Gibson for giving us the little, this space here to share the word with you and giving the university and continue to partner with the university. Thank you, Pastor Gibson. I'm happy to see all your smiling faces of the students back from spring break. Are you excited to be back? Yes? You got five more weeks to go? Yes? So the year is coming to a close, and we are blessed to have you In our midst. This morning, I want to share with you the message is titled Called. I believe each one of us this morning has been called. Amen? We have been called. We have been called. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives his disciples the final instruction before being sent out into the work that he had for them. And we'll read the first, uh, chapter 10, one says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave him the authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. They were going to go and talk to the people about God, but first they had to talk to the God of the people. He had to train them on how to talk about God to the people. The Gospel of Matthew seems to have a setup in a way uh, the first 10 chapters gives us uh, like the general uh, training program for the disciples. As I read through the first nine chapters of Matthew, this training program is based on the primary goal of our calling. What is the primary goal of our calling? Matthew 4 17 it says, from then on Jesus went preaching and saying that the kingdom of heaven is near. The primary goal of our calling is for us to have a saving encounter with Jesus, a saving relationship with Jesus. That is the primary goal of our calling. The final and ultimate goal. We find it a few verses down, 419. It says, I will make you, I will send you out to fish for people. It's an encounter with Jesus. The selfless service with the mission of Jesus. That is the ultimate goal. We have a saving encounter with Jesus, and then we have it funnels all through to have an encounter with the mission, to share hope with others, to share hope with those who are perishing. And in between, between Matthew 8 and Matthew. 10 we find the secondary goals how Jesus trained his disciples to go out into the harvest field how did he train them how did he train his disciples well and it's all found also and I don't know if you can read it well on this screen on that one you can kind of read it maybe I'm not the angle is kind of weird on me but uh, it's all in the framework of the mission. What is the framework of the mission? It is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five through seven tells um, talks about being the light of the world, and being the salt of the earth. That's who we are being called. That's what we are being called to do: to be the salt and be the light. Of the world, God is calling each and every one of us this morning to be the light and be the salt. But let's dig into how Jesus trained his disciples in in our secondary in our secondary goals. The first the first uh, module of the training course, the approach to the mission, the approach to the mission, and we'll find it if you have your Bibles. I'm going to encourage you to take them out your electronic device or read it on the screen. Matthew eight one through 4, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Here we find the approach to the mission. We cannot accomplish the mission of Jesus From afar. We cannot come. He had a a model to his disciples. He had to model to his disciples that the mission cannot be apart. The mission had to come close. He needed to approach him. In the time of Jesus, one could not approach a sick person coming down the road. One could not touch him. You could not touch him. And he was, the leper was coming down, and Jesus was coming down, and the leper was there. And the disciples are looking at this scenario, and they're, no, Jesus, don't touch him. And I can probably see the disciples getting in the way, don't touch him. And Jesus touched the man with leprosy. He had to show his disciples that we need to touch the untouchables that person that you don't like that person that gives you a hard time that person we need to reach out and touch them he had a model to his disciples that the mission needed to come to close close and touch the untouchables the next goal the dimension of the mission the dimension of the mission we'll find it in matthew 8 5 through 11 it's the story of a centurion. I'm not going to read everything. The centurion had a servant who was paralyzed, and he goes to Jesus, and, and uh, he tells him, "I have a, My servant is ill. I need you to heal him. heal him. Jesus tells him, You want me to come and heal him? The, the centurion says, If you just say the words, I know he will be healed. And then Jesus goes on in verse 11, verse 10. At the end of verse 10 he says truly I tell you the disciples are watching this I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take place will take their places at the feast with Abraham Isaac and Jacob what a beautiful expression isn't it the message of hope that we are to share is for every one black white Yellow, red, rich, poor. It's for everyone, from everyone all over the world. They will be sitting at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The next, the next goal, the relationships in the mission. Even though Jesus was a public man, he was famous, he was able to relate to family and domestic life. It says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our disease. He was able to relate. To family life, domestic life, he was still carrying out his mission in the middle of family life, fulfilling his mission. The next, the next goal. Matthew eight twenty three to twenty seven. Jesus models the confidence in the mission. It's a very well known story. You've heard it. They're in the middle of the sea. There's a great storm that comes, and the the, the disciples are scared, and Jesus is lying down, and the disciples are are desperate. They don't know what's going to happen. And we'll read in verse 26. It says, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The confidence, the confidence in the mission. God has not promised there won't be storms in your life or in my life. He has not promised us that. He has not promised there won't be a crisis in our life. A phone call, an email, a text, a report card. Someone who comes at our door and knocks middle of the night, today, tomorrow, next year. Jesus has not promised we won't have crisis break out in our lives but he has promised to deliver us from fear amen and in this training program he taught his disciples not to be afraid the next goal the conflict and mission a very well-known story they're approaching the region of Gadara There's a big conflict, and it's not a street fight. It's not a discussion at the center of the home. It's a cosmic conflict between good and evil. Or let's call it by by what it really is. It's a cosmic conflict between Jesus Christ and Satan. And right there in the region of Gadara, It says, verse 34, then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave the region. The people did not want to see Jesus. The conflict in the mission is a reality. There are evil powers out there. And he needed to show his disciples that that was a reality. The next goal, the controversies in the missions. Controversies, they arise. Not only do we have controversies that come from the exterior, that are generated from outside, but we also have controversies that are generated within our own sphere, inside. And here in this verse, Matthew 9, 1 through 8, the friends bring a paralyzed man before Jesus. And I'll read to you verse 4. You know the story. They get him down through the... To the ceiling of the house. And verse 4 says, um, "Well, verse 3 says, At this, some of, the pro- some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Because he pr- forgave the, the sins of this paralyzed man. Verse 4 says, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Controversies. We like controversies. If for some reason we seem to be appeased from external threats, we seem to always have a reason to create a controversy. Right here in the middle of my house or my home, in the middle of my workplace, in the middle of my classroom, let's start up a controversy between our children, between parents. But you know what? That's the way of this cosmic conflict. The next The next uh, goal, the scope of the mission. This is my favorite one, Matthew 9, 9 through 13. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And you know, dear brothers and sisters, dear students, there was such a transformation in the life of Matthew, that before his life consisted of sitting down, sitting down to receive. Give me your money. Give me your money. Give me your money. But when Jesus called him, when he said, follow me, his life took a 180 degree, and now his life did not consist of sitting down to receive. Now his life consisted, and Jesus told him, now you will walk to give walk to give walk to give such a transformation in the life of matthew the type of transformation jesus can have in your life in my life today let's stop sitting down and receiving let's go out and walk and give and share hope with those who are perishing those who are looking to find hope to find healing he is calling you and me to be those change, those change agents. The renewal in the mission, 9, 9, 14 through 17, I'll read 17. Neither the people, they're talking about fasting, neither the people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the wine, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. The renewal in the mission, the renewal in the mission, new wineskins, renewed on a daily basis, renewed our relationship on a daily basis with Jesus. I can't live off of the relationship I had yesterday with Jesus. I got to renew it today again and tomorrow. I got to renew it again, my relationship with Jesus renewed on a daily basis. And then, Matthew, the the next uh, goal, Matthew 9, 18 through 35. It's a series of miracles. The miracles in the mission. One miracle after another. Jesus raises a dead girl. Jesus heals a woman that touches garment. Jesus, uh, uh, a blind, receives eyesight from Jesus. A mute talks and we'll read verse 9 uh, chapter 9:35 this concludes a tour full of miracles it says jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And this is how the training, at least the first module of the training program, comes to an end before chapter 10. Before our disciples are given the last instructions, before they go out. Before launching them to their first evangelistic practice. We have the final reflection on the content of the first training module. It's our verse in our scripture reading today. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. I want to point out a word in that text. The word I want to point out is Compassion, compassion. Everything we do, we need to do it with with passion, with quality. Passion equals quality, okay? Anything we do, I want to just think or say that we do with passion or with quality. But when Jesus lives in our life, we not only do things with passion and with quality, we do things with compassion, with love for those around us, compassion. Compassion, another word I want to point out in that text, when he saw the crowds, the crowds is the other word. Do you know the New York City subway transports 5.7 million passengers on a daily basis? Did you know that there are more than 80,000 refugees around the world? Crowds, boatload of people. Major League Baseball attendance, about 70, billion, about 70 million a year. Crowds. There is a mission field out there. Population. Let's talk about population. What is population? 7 billion? A little bit over 7 billion? It is a boatload of people, crowds. And the work that is translated here in the text as helpless comes from a Greek term which means abandoned. Apparently, the people in that time felt so abandoned they did not try to improve their religious condition. They did not to do, they did not try to do anything, like there wasn't any hope left. I want to leave you. I want to leave you with three words today. All three words start with a C. Number one, compassion. Compassion, love, love towards one another. Love towards one another, compassion in your home, compassion in your classroom, compassion with that student that you don't get along with, compassion with that coworker you don't get along with. Love, love towards one another, compassion. The next word is commitment. The mission of Jesus needs committed disciples because the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is gigantic. The harvest is demolishing. It's just a matter of if we were all to go to the AT&T Stadium, we'd probably get lost really, really quick. The mission needs commitment from each and every one of us. And the third word is communion. The mission of Jesus needs communion. We need to pray. We need to live. A prayerful life, a prayerful life that will bring us that love for those perishing souls, for those who have not heard hope, and that hope is Jesus. My question to you is this morning, you have been called. I have been called. Will you go and share hope? Will you go? And share hope. Students, you're not here just because you're here. God sent you here. God opened the doors here. You have been called. Will you go and share hope? Because you see, hope has a name. And there are people waiting to hear about that name.